a back-to-back podcast. It's Thursday, and that means Nerder She Wrote. I am your host, Dave DeFore. Joining me as always, my coach and compadre, Coach David Thorpe. Coach, uh, in my never-ending quest to turn this into a food and beverage podcast, I have to ask, what is your go-to holiday drink? Oh, boy. Uh, I don't, I, I mean, absolutely don't have one. Um, uh, I like whiskey. I like bourbon. I like gin. I like vodka. I don't like rum very much. I don't drink much at all. You know, typically one night a week, two and two a night in that night. Um, and on the holidays, I'm watching games and every, you know, I'm Jewish obviously. So every Christmas morning, my wife and our twins who are now 17, we, uh, this year we go to a movie this year, we're going to see Ruth Bader Ginsburg's the movie about her with my parents who are still alive and at 78 and 77. And then we're gonna have lunch at some Chinese place or a Jewish deli that's open and have my parents and, and my kids and I all talk about the movie and what we learned. And then we go to we go to family. My wife was raised Catholic and I won't drink at all Christmas day. What about you? Uh, I am an eggnog guy, but there's so much sugar that I don't really drink it much. So I give yeah. myself like four ounces a year basically. Um, but it's delicious. Uh, (laughs) joining us this week is a very special guest, um, hall of fame reporter, and more importantly, a hall of fame person. Uh, one of my favorite people in basketball from the athletic DC and a DeMatha high school alum, David Aldridge. How are you, David? And, uh, do you like eggnog? I'm doing fine. Uh, I don't hate eggnog, but it's (laughs) not, uh, not on the top of the list. I suppose if someone put a glass in my hand, I'd drink it, but uh, I'm, it's, it's not my go-to, I don't okay. think. What do, you, uh, what, do you, what do you go with, especially around the holidays? Um, I don't know. I, I like wine, I guess. I, I, I drink red wine, a lot of red wine. So <laughs> probably red wine. Um, my brother-in-law will sometimes pour something that I don't recognize in, in a glass and they drink it. And I do. So there you go. <laughs> you know, the home, NBA, so that's the good thing. <laughs> the, the NBA has actually become like a red wine league, yes. which yes. is fantastic. Yeah. yeah, no, I know a lot of guys do it and, and it's a big deal. I'm not, I'm obviously not a, you know, wine connoisseur like Popovich and some of these players that now have their own labels and everything. I just, I just like a good red and, uh, I'll drink it. So that's yeah. what I do. <laughs> you got to talk to David Griffin. Uh, his wife teaches a course on, uh, yeah. on, on red wine. So, um, but, uh, I want to talk about the wizards first because I mean, you're right there and, uh, they've had a very interesting week. I mean, it's been an interesting season. Um, they had this, the wild trade that was broken up and I, I actually don't even think it was their fault. Um, the, the mistaken Brooks, uh, identities, mm. uh, but they brought back Trevor Reza. And uh, it seems to me all of their problems really started when they lost him. Would you agree with that? I would say certainly, yeah. The arc that they were on when when Trevor's last year, they got to the second round. Uh, they were they were you know a team that looked like it was on the rise in the East, um, and they lost him for what now seems like a very insignificant amount of money. Now you got to remember in 2014 they were already all in on kevin durant that was their plan their goal their dream was kd to dc or back to dc he's from the dc area obviously 
Um, so they really did not want to put any new money on their books. They wanted to keep as much money available as possible for Durant. Um, the problem is they not only didn't get Durant, they didn't even get a meeting with them. So that was just, you know, really badly handled on their part. You got to know, to my way of thinking, when you're dealing with somebody as consequential as Kevin Durant, you got to know the answer to the question before you even ask it, right? So, I mean, if you don't know that he is going to seriously consider your team, then don't even bother going after I mean, don't go through the machinations of trying to get him. I just think it's, you know, it's such a franchise back, which is completely done to this franchise. And so um, not getting Ariza done for basically $2 million more a year for four years. So $8 million would have gotten him. He would have still been here. Um, but they went in on Durant, didn't get him. And so, yeah, I think that definitely losing Ariza and what he brought to the locker room, as well as what he brought on the floor, uh, was a big, was the start of them really kind of taking a step backwards, a big step backwards. Yeah. So often when, when teams take the big swing at free agents, they wind up giving up a ton just for the opportunity. I mean, with all the cap maneuvering that they have to do, they, they lose players like Ariza. And speaking of giving things up, the wizards, give up a ton of points. They are currently 28th in defensive rating coach. Uh, Ariza has been there for two games and he's already talking about the lack of effort. Now that's been there all season. And we could even argue it was there last year. Uh, I mean, is Ariza going to be able to fix this alone? Well, let's go backwards first. And just, just to uh, put a bow on what you brought up regarding what David said about the, um, about Ariza, what you guys were saying about, you know, kind of clearing the decks to try to get Durant. Um, so that is one of the mistakes that teams make. The other mistake is what we've referenced here is when you sit on that whale, you're either going to get the whale or you're sitting on one like like the Pelicans are right now. And like the Warriors are, for example, with KD and maybe even Clay uh, guys that may not come back when they're when their deal is done. And we've seen so many teams now in the last five years burned by waiting to see if they'll come back when they aren't committal. It's one thing for them to say, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. You make a plan for that return, and then they don't. Well, the player then is just being a liar, and you got screwed. But when you don't even get the commitment on the way, on on that process, like, hey, I'm definitely coming back, and you still think you might get him and do nothing, and then you're left with nothing when he he doesn't come back, you're just as dumb as what the Wizards were for for doing what they did when when, to me, there was never a chance he was going back there, or at least not much of a chance, but... It's it's a mistake that owners owners make. I blame the owners. Management will do what the owners say. And if the owner if they if the owners ran their business uh, to they created the money that they got to buy these teams, they wouldn't have been in business much longer to be able to buy these teams to say, hey, either we're going to get super rich or we're going to be dirt poor fast. That's just bad business typically, right? Uh, and so the so to get to the other question, probably no. Ariza can't be that. A difference maker, uh, unless there's the, it catches fire, and I don't think a reason be the reason why it catches fire. The way John Wall played a couple nights ago, not last night. Uh, if that were to continue, he's the he's the fulcrum. He's he's the guy that's been enabled. He's the guy that plays with a chip on his shoulder and not a good chip, a bad chip. Westbrook plays with a good chip. Wall plays with why you know I don't have to play hard every night. You still you know worship me kind of thing. If he doesn't change repeatedly, consistently. Uh, there's there, it's broken and the reason will make them better, but I don't know that they'll 
have a huge turnaround. But there are teams, Dave, uh, that that we've seen change during the season. And it's possible that they will for whatever reason. Uh, it's just hard to bet on that team, in my opinion, with with their current ownership and management right now. I mean, this is a, a kind of a wild thing to say in 2018, but a, a really important piece that they're missing is Dwight Howard. And he's been productive when healthy the last few seasons. Now, locker room issues aside, he has actually been productive on the court. And I mean, maybe it's a case of uh, he actually might help this defense. And and David, the other day, he said that uh, he just needed to get healthy and come back so the Wizards could win a title. So I'm asking you, David, in your professional opinion, how crazy is Dwight Howard? <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't, I mean, in, in regard to that particular, yes. you know, boast or prediction, he's certifiable. I mean, there's just no, you know, they're not, you know, they're not going to win a championship ever, uh, with this current team. It's just, you know, that's, it's preposterous to even suggest it. Um, could they make the playoffs? Yeah, sure. It's the East. Everybody can make the playoffs, you know? So yeah, they could make the playoffs. He could help. He like, like, like Ariza, he can help along the margins, you know, maybe get, you know, some of the um, rebounding disparity that has crushed this team all season down to a more reasonable deficit. I mean, they're, you know, look, all their defensive numbers are awful. You know, I mean, not just, well, they gave up 26 threes last night to Houston, which is awful, but, you know, Houston shoots a lot of threes and some nights they make them all. So, okay, so they made them last night. That is, you know, that's the least of the Wizards' worries. They're so bad in every defensive metric that it, it doesn't even matter. You know, I mean, they're giving up threes. They're giving up twos. They're getting killed on the boards. They're getting killed on corner threes. They're getting killed on points in the paint. They're getting killed on everything. So they're so bad on the, at the defensive end right now that I don't know that Bill Russell and his prime could help them right now. I mean, <laughs> and, and to and to coach's point, I mean, it starts with John. I mean, look, there's no secret about this. Everybody knows this. I'm not, I'm not being especially, you know, intelligent to tell you this. When you see, when you watch them play Sunday night, when John cared and they played the Lakers because it was a big matchup, it was a star, it was LeBron and all that. And John gave you effort and they were getting deflections and turnovers and runouts and they blew the Lakers doors off. Because they can do that when John plays hard. You know, when John give, gives you a defensive effort, they can do that. They have that kind of talent and capability, uh, along with Beal, who's frankly a better player right now than John is, uh, and with, with their other guys who, who are more compatible with an up-tempo type of game. You know, a guy like a Sadoransky who can pass the ball and who moves without the ball and cuts. And, you know, a guy like... Now Sam Decker, who's you know really uh, all effort guy, he's not he's not going to wow you with his fundamentals, but he he cuts he cuts hard, he plays hard, he goes to the basket hard, he does all that stuff hard. Um, you know they have guys that can do that, and so when they get up and down, when they turn you over, they're they have a chance to be a pretty good team. But the problem is. You don't get that John Wall every night. You get that John Wall, you know, once every three or four games. And unfortunately, over the course of 82 games, that means that you tend to lose a lot more games than you win because when your best player is not bringing it at both ends, you have to be almost perfect everywhere else to win the game, and they are far from perfect everywhere else. Well, hey, Dave, just to finish up David's point on that, not only are they not getting that kind of effort from John each game, but because they're not and because he's still coddled the way he is, 
that's where the dissension in the locker room kind of starts and ends for the most part. It begins with the treatment of, of, of that player that just isn't nearly as professional on a daily basis as he needs to be. And, and really, I was there for training camp his rookie season. Uh, I was invited to, to watch them work out for a week at George Washington. And he didn't bend. In fact, he came in out of shape. And that was coming from the draft. He just hadn't worked um, uh, the entire kind of summer league on. He was fat and slow and couldn't really dribble, which you know clearly is not normally the case with him. He's just never really got it. Uh, not consistently year to year. He's had moments each year and months even. So until that changes, the f- that's the fabric of the culture that's being pulled and stretched and and kind of dictates their their problems. Yeah, and that contract. It- it's funny. The extension hasn't kicked in and it's already an albatross. You've got this, this huge trade kicker. I mean, he's going to be making so much money and and it's even down the line when is he going to keep himself in good enough shape to age well so that money isn't just a total loss. And, and that's, you know, kind of where they're stuck at. And, and there's an an idea out there that when they lost Ariza, maybe they should have gone ahead and kind of blown this up, moved off of wall. I still think Beal is the better player going forward. Uh, but not an albatross is a subscription to the athletic. It'll be the best money that you spend <laughs> this Christmas for yourself. Give it as a gift, which I'm doing. Uh, I'm giving this out to like five people. Uh, you can go to the athletic.com slash back to back. That's the number two. So it's back the number two back. You get 40% off. That brings it down to two ninety nine a month, which is just fantastic. You get to read David Aldridge's morning coffee every week. You get Fred Katz covering the Wizards. You get our own Zach Harper and Ethan Strauss. You get Shamsharania. You get all that good stuff. Again, at theathletic.com slash back to back for 40% off. No ads, no pop-ups, never any autoplay videos, which are the worst. Uh, 700 news stories a week, not only in the NBA, but in the NFL, NHL, and MLB, everywhere else. The best money you can spend this Christmas uh, on yourself or for your loved ones. Um, so you brought up coach, you brought up, uh, AD and, and a trade. And honestly, it's been in the news this week. Uh, LeBron saying it would be amazing if the Lakers could trade for Anthony Davis. And, uh, I don't think he's wrong. I mean, Anthony Davis is, you know, (laughs) top five player in the league. It would be fantastic. Uh, should the Lakers go ahead and be trying to, to make that move today? Sure. I think so. I think the Lakers should be going after AD and Durant right now with all the way the young guys are playing. Uh, it's not easy to make the deals because those guys make so much money and all the young guys don't, but there's deals to be made. You got to, I think you got to get KCP to agree to a trade. He, he, uh, he has to agree cause he'll lose his bird rights. And, um, I don't know that you can do that. I'm not privy to any of that, but, uh, it's, I know the Lakers are, I'm guessing the Lakers are thinking we would never do that because we're going to get these guys anyway. And maybe they're, maybe they know what I don't know. So it's unfair for me to criticize LA, which I'm not only because I don't know if they feel like we know we're getting them. So we're just going to keep these pieces because we'll use them for other things. I think the better question is should the Pelicans and in my opinion, the Warriors be even considering it. We've talked about this before. I don't want to waste uh, Davis time. If he's, he's ever heard us talk about it, but uh, the, the, the chance of Davis going back is so incredibly small to New Orleans. Why, why would he, by the way, to a franchise that has no idea what they're doing? And uh, that's evident. And in the case of Golden State, I get the argument to not trade Durant. 
and 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 they're very likely to win a championship when everyone's healthy. So you want to get four and five. But I would argue, as long as Steph Curry's healthy with the players they get back in a deal for L.A. with those young guys, the Warriors would still be the favorites. And not only would they be the favorites this year, although not as prohibitive as they would be if they had Durant, they would still be the best team, in my opinion, six, seven years out, with the exception of if also Davis goes to L.A. and they've got LeBron Davis and Durant. But if you tell me Steph Curry's on Golden State and they still have Clay and Dre and all those young guys that the Lakers could get them, who we were very talented players. Uh, Steph Curry, the best offensive player maybe in the history of the game. Probably. Probably the best offensive player in the history of the game. And he ain't getting worse. Like that, he's, st- he's still doing some things that, that show he's ascending. Uh, if the Warriors did that, I think they'd be the, the preseason favorites, you know, again, five, six straight years in a row. Uh, David, there's a lot made of the the Anthony Davis uh, switching agencies right before the season started. Switch to clutch. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know the clutch connection, uh, KCP. And there's a lot of you know information out there that uh, maybe the, the Lakers signed KCP last year as a favor to LeBron, hoping to you know to start courting him early. And then obviously LeBron's connection to clutch. Are, are we overstating that? I mean, you've you're way more inside on this stuff. People you know, give you all sorts of information. Are, are we like completely overstating this or is this a real thing? No, no, I don't think you're overstating it. I mean, you know, look, keep in mind one thing, Anthony Davis knows every piece of inside Intel about everything in the Lakers organization already. Okay. And that's why, <laughs> that's why the Lakers went and got KCP um, it wasn't so much as a, a favor to Rich Paul. It didn't hurt. Let's put it that way. But it was a way for Rich Paul to kind of figure out what that organization was like. And so when LeBron was trying to decide, you know, is it time for, you know, I want to go to LA, you know, is this a place I want to finish my career at? He already knew, you know, well before he made it official, you know, what the strengths were of that organization, what the weaknesses were, you know, what the opportunities were off the court, all that stuff. And AD knows the same thing. So now it's just a matter of, is that something that AD wants to do? Is that a place where he wants to spend his prime? Um, or does he want to play with Kyrie Irving in his prime? You know what I mean? So, right. I mean, that's, the, that's basically the decision I think he has to make. And, you know, I don't, I think it's a very long shot. I agree with coach. I think it's a very long shot that he stays in, in New Orleans. I don't know that that door is a hundred percent closed because I think new Orleans, you know, they've got some things that they could do. It's not what they want to do, but there's some things that they could do if they really wanted to make one last pitch. I mean, Drew holiday is a very talented player. He would commandeer and he's under contract at what sounds crazy, but it is not an unreasonable number these days in the NBA. Um, so if you wanted to go all in, throw three first and Drew Holiday at somebody and maybe get a superstar to come back to team with AD, I mean, you could do that. You could try to do that. Um, but I agree. I think the, the very strong likelihood is that he doesn't stay. Um, and it, at that point, I think New Orleans has to decide what they're going to do and which deal is the better deal for them to make. Is it the deal, you know, is it a deal with the Lakers for their young guys? You know, I... Or is it a deal with Boston? I mean, I know what my opinion would be. I mean, to me, it's okay. So if the Lakers, if you already got Julius Randle and you trade Anthony Davis for, you know, a a package 
involving, you know, some of their other young players, whether it's Kuzma or Irving or some of the other guys, well, then you're just, you're just the Lakers. I mean, you're just the Lakers from two years ago. So what, I mean, where are you going with Drew Holiday on it? And so I'd much rather make a deal with Boston for some of their talent that I think is probably a little more, it's still young, but still a little more accomplished, I think, and has done more on a big stage uh, than I would with whatever package I think the Lakers could come up with. But again, that's me. That's my preference. I think I'd rather have, you know, some combination of whether it's Marcus Smart or, or, you know, or Rozier or, you know, whatever they come up with, I think is a better package than, than what the Lakers can offer, but that's me. I mean, that's my, my peccadillo. So, um, but I agree. I think that it's more likely than not, much more likely than not, that AD's gone. So you got to make a deal that makes sense at some point in the next next calendar year, I think, to uh, to get something going, to have some kind of franchise to build around going forward. Uh, it should be noted that the Celtics actually cannot trade for Anthony Davis until Kyrie Irving is a free agent. So they, because of the, the Rose provision and the way that works, they can't trade for two right. players that qualify. Yep. So, um, that, that holds things up for the Pelicans a little bit, but I think that having Boston as the Trump card where they could offer Tatum, they could offer that Kings pick, which isn't looking as valuable. And, and you know, they got that Miami pick in the, uh, in the Philly deal. So they can actually, they've got good deals out there. And so, I think if Dell Demps is smart, he can use that to leverage maybe even more out of a team that, that might be willing to swing for the fences on AD. Uh, here's a, another question. And either one of you guys can jump in on this. How much stock do you put into what's been coming out about star players, not wanting to go play with LeBron where they have to take a backseat? I mean, we know Kyrie asked for the trade in, in large part, uh, because of that. And, and the fact that the world revolves around LeBron, we had Katie's comments last week. Um, you know, is, is this something, if you're Anthony Davis, maybe you don't want to go to LA and play second fiddle to LeBron. Uh, let David speak first. He's talked to more of those guys than I do. I think that there's certainly some truth to that. Um, you know, you, I, that's why I always say, I've said consistently the most unappreciated player of the last 10, 15 years in this league is Chris Bosch. I mean, Chris Bosch was a star player with the Toronto Raptors. He was a star. He was an all-star. He was in his prime, by the way, not at the end of his prime, but just going into his prime. And he willingly said, no, I'll just spot up and shoot threes. If that's what we need for this team to win. And he did, you know, and so eh, that's not everybody, you know? And so I, I don't think, I think there is certainly some truth to that. You have to be a special kind of person to basically change your game, unless you're Clay Thompson, and that's kind of your game, which is spot up shooting, um, to con- to become a, a a willing, I'll go wait in the corner guy for LeBron, because it that's the best version of LeBron is when he is creating opportunities for other players. I mean, so I I would never ask LeBron to not play that way because that's how he plays and he's really good at it. But the problem is if you're a guy that's used to having the ball in your hands, that's not what you're going to get playing with LeBron. And so it's, I think there's some truth in it. I don't think it's universal. I don't think it, uh, I don't think it applies to every star player, but I think Kyrie Irving is more the norm than the exception when it comes to that in terms of, do I want to take 
my prime years being second fiddle to LeBron James. And now you're only talking about three or four more years because even LeBron is going to start to slow down at some point. But yeah, I mean, I think there's some truth to that. Yeah, just to follow up, um, I mean, David knows better than I. Uh, I've never talked to a player that said those things other than um, I've talked to teammates of LeBron's who said it's hard to play with him. Uh, and I, I didn't really ask for details because I, I thought it was pretty obvious what he was saying. On the court, there's some challenges to it. Off the court, there's huge challenges to it. When I mentioned the Pelicans trading with the Lakers, it was the, with the presupposition that that's what Davis told them. Um, I, that's where I want to go. Uh, if, if that's not the case, uh, any team that would trade for him, not knowing he's going to sign a, a long-term deal would be a mistake. That one and done thing would be a mistake when they're a team like Boston, that's kind of built to contend for a while. So that's why I would always say Lakers over Boston. Uh, Jason Tatum is probably, probably has more of an upside than any individual player for the Lakers. I happen to think Kuzma, I think it can be really good. I think Ball can be an all-star player. Uh, Ingram has not found his his place, nor I think will he when LeBron's there. Um, but they 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 are low. Josh Hart is good. Those are those are starting level players for the most part, if not in some cases all stars. This has to be worked out ahead of time. Uh, I'll say this: uh, you guys, well, Dave will know this better than than you or I, Dave. Um, if you went back, and I'm so glad he mentioned Chris Bosh, because I, I back then at ESPN, I was writing, Bosh had an MVP-level game. He was never going to get it unless you had an amazing guard on his team that made them a Final Four team. And then you might see Bosh as one of the best two-way players in the game. And, and I, as David said, he was still ascending. He was still figuring it out. Uh, and then, of course, Bosh put him at the five, and that really changed things. Of He, he could have done that anyway. He didn't have to be with, with, uh, with Miami. Um, but I think that you've got, you've got teams that think their guy's going to come back, but do, do the history with me guys. How many players have said publicly that they want to visit and then returned? I don't know the answer, but I don't think it's many at all. Almost everyone that said, I want to go see other teams ends up leaving. I don't remember if Paul George visited anyone or not. If he did, he came back. Although Corey Brewer mm-hmm. told me last year. He thought it was coming back. Uh, I don't know if he visited, but who's visited? It almost never happened. So if Anthony Davis says to the Pelicans privately, guys, you know, I want to see what's out there. He's gone. He's yeah. gone. So do what you have to do to keep your franchise whole. You're going to get more players than you can even keep because his value, his numbers are so high salary wise. Good. Move those players for other picks for other picks and, and young players, whatever. But what you can't do is have a player say, yeah, I'm going to see what's out there, but I may come back. He ain't coming back. No, I agree with that. I, and, and again, if the, Pel- the Pelicans should know already. They got to know. They know already what the deal is with Anthony Davis, no matter what he tells us, reporters right. or right. other people. If they don't know the answer already, then that's their problem. Right. They're, then they're really going to lose him. They should know the answer to that. That's why, to me, it's worth waiting to do the deal with Boston. I just think it's a better deal. I think there's you got more chance to get more good players. And, and, you know, Kyrie Irving aside, you know, if you're asking me who I'd rather have, I'd rather have Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving, even if it comes down to that. Now, there, now you can wait and, and maybe, maybe you can get Kyrie Irving to take less money. <laughs> I don't know. But um, I, I just think 
that's the deal to be made. That's the deal that makes the most sense. You get them out of the Western Conference, not that that matters really right. to New Orleans at this point. I just think the quality of players you get back, if you have any chance to get Jason Tatum back, which is the guy I would absolutely ask for, um, yeah. you know, I, you got to do that deal to me. I mean, as much as I, I do agree, I think, I think Ball's going to be a really good player. Um, and I think Kuzma is a really good player already. But I think Tatum's upside is much better. And just, again, you're going to get one of those guards back. You know, one of those smart and, and or Rozier players back in this deal, I would think. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's a pretty good haul. I, I think that uh, part of the appeal for Boston, uh, or at least for Anthony Davis, in staying with Boston would be to play with Kyrie Irving. So I, I actually don't envision Kyrie Irving getting traded. Uh, but Boston is really interesting because they're a team that a lot of people suspect might have too many guys, and that's contributing to some of their their issues with fit. Uh, coach, what, what do you think? Should should Boston be considering consolidation trades, or they should they be keeping the powder dry for this summer and a run at Davis? Well, I, again, I don't know what they know behind the scenes. It, when David says the Pelicans know, I agree with them. Boston should have a very strong indication if they are really in the running or not. Uh, I, I, although Rich, Rich Paul's not stupid, he, you want to have everyone thinking, hey, we might get him. But you can work down and, and find out, are we really in the running? Like the Wizards, to us, had no chance of getting Durant. Um, Boston should know. But, yeah, as you know, Dave, I tweeted this in May of last year that Danny Ainge needs to be looking at all potential trades for Kyrie and Hayward. Hayward would have been tougher because they just, I wrote, again, I wrote this, you know, eight months ago. They just have too much talent seven months ago. Yeah. It, it's hard yeah. to win with this much talent. When, when, and this is real important. Did you, did you guys see LeBron's speech to his kids team recently yes. about role playing? Yeah. Okay. That speech was terrific. I'm going to send it to my, one of my son's high school assistant coaches for his team. We got Hall of Famers and, and one of the best, some of the best players that ever played a game came off the bench or, or didn't play. That don't mean you ain't good. There's guys in the NBA that don't play. Does that mean they're not good? They got to the NBA because they were sorry? Mm-mm. They're just playing a role. If you don't want to roll, play tennis or play golf. But it does not work for the Boston Celtics because you can't do that to young pros who haven't got paid yet. They don't give a fuck about roles. They want to get paid and they want to be superstars. That's why I've, I always said Harden was leaving OKC. I, I, he, he wanted to go see if he could lead the world in scoring and be the MVP, and I get that. He, did, he didn't work his butt off every day to be a role player just because they happen to have drafted Westbrook and Harden. I mean, a Durant also. So Tatum and, and I mean, Jalen Brown was killing it. Rogier was killing it. Those guys all of a sudden are tasting, oh my God, all-stars and endorsements and huge deals. And now I got to go back to taking eight shots a game and not even be interviewed after a game when I was on, on the, uh, on the, on the press in the press conference and so forth. So I think Danny, sure, Ainge has got to figure out where are we with Davis, but also uh, it, it's just a math equation. If if the probability is decent, that's one thing. If it's not, yeah, you got to. I don't know how you consolidate with anything but Irving um, if you're even willing to, and you may not be. So maybe you got to look at the Brown situation. But they're all not going to be happy, and because of that, Boston still is just okay. They beat the bad teams, and but what are they? They're, they're right now they're not playing like contenders. It's early. Cleveland wasn't contending last year either for the East even. So the, and that, for a number of years, that was the case, but they don't have LeBron James. They have to be cohesive 
and connected in a way that maybe Cleveland didn't because they had LeBron. Uh, you, you brought up James Harden there, and uh, I, it's a good that's a good place to segue back to basketball rather than trades. Um, the Rockets have kind of figured things out a little bit. Uh, James Harden has been on a tear, which I think is is sort of indicative of what this team is. They, this is Harden's team, and they're going to go as Harden goes. They don't, they don't, they don't have a reason, although they did give him a tribute video, uh, when he was there last night, uh, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. And, uh, but, but this is, they've gone back to this super hardened dominant offense. Harden's hit 98 unassisted three so far this season. The next closest second place, Kemba Walker has 51. So that gives you kind of an idea of what's been happening uh, David, I, I know you got to see them kind of up close last night uh, against the wizards. Um, do you think, do you think this team is going to get a touch like a top four seed in the West? I think they can. Yeah. I mean, you know, Harden's playing at an MVP level again. Um, there's no doubt that they go as he goes and he is, uh, uniquely capable with his ability to draw fouls and make threes. I mean, there just, there just isn't anybody in the league that has that combination. You know, there's some guys that, that are great at making threes, but they don't shoot a lot of free throws. And there's some guys that, that do shoot a lot of free throws, but they're not great at making threes. A guy, he's the only guy that I know. Well, maybe Kyrie Irving, maybe he, maybe he and Kyrie are the only two guys that really can do both. And, and that just makes him, well, it's a, it makes him unguardable, basically, right? So every time he scores, I'm sure his points per possession have to be, you know, leading the league. I mean, I just can't imagine anybody else is doing better. So, yeah, I mean, they have a chance to be a top four seed. I just, I just, now I know they've gotten, you know, some of their young guys have played well uh, at the wing positions. They've gotten some good production out of those guys. But I saw this last year, you know, and I saw their young guys. Some of their young guys played very well last year. They picked up, they picked Gerald Green back up off the street last year, and he played really well for them for a good stretch of the season. But when it gets to May, boy, your star's got to play great, you know. And you know they probably would have beat Golden State if Paul hadn't gotten hurt, but he did get hurt, and he tends to get hurt. So your other guys have to be capable of making shots. And I just, I was in that arena watching them miss 27 threes in a row in game seven. So I just, I think they have a chance to be a very good team because Harden is, is a great player. And, and Chris Paul is still a really good player and Capello knows his role and kills it very well. And Tucker's a tough guy. I just, I just have a feeling they're one violin short of an orchestra. You know what I mean? I just, yes. I feel like they're, they're, they're really good, but I just don't know defensively. They're not as good as they were last year with the reason and Bob Mute on the wings and their ability to switch one through four, one through five, really. Uh, and that made them unique. They're not unique anymore defensively this year. Um, and so I just don't know from a defensive standpoint when they play an elite offensive unit for seven times. Can they get four stops four games worth of stops? And it uh, doesn't mean they're bad, but I do think top four is certainly a possibility for them. Yes. You know, I, I, I've wondered out loud if Chris Paul is still suffering some effects from the hamstring injury. Hamstrings are tricky. It's like a groin injury. They can sometimes yeah. linger for a while. And you're um, afraid you're afraid. Of, I talk to athletes all the time about it. There's no pain, but they're afraid of it coming back. So they don't really exert. 
And so I was going to ask you, uh, coach, do you think that this is, we're starting to see, I mean, obviously he's 34 years old and he's a small guard. Okay. Uh, let's just be upfront about it. They don't age well. And 34 is, is actually that's old for a productive small guard. And he was very productive last season until, until he got hurt in, in, uh, game five or whenever he got hurt, uh, against the warriors. Uh, are we going to see, we're not going to see anything close to what he did last year. I don't think so. Um, I mean, what David said was right. Uh, I look at it, you know, first of all, I look at, they beat, they beat, uh, only a few decent team. The Lakers are decent. They're likely a playoff team. They beat Portland, who at, at the end of the day, I don't know, makes the playoffs. They had a great start. They've not been good recently. And Houston beat them the other night. Uh, and their five-game win streak, they, you know, they beat some teams that aren't likely to make the playoffs. Memphis was looking good for a while. And they've kind of fallen off. Uh, tonight, we'll see what they do against Miami on the road, who's playing really well. But again, you know, they're, the, the league has parity without question. But they're they've avoided most of the top, you know, fourteen. I think they played two of the top sixteen teams more or less in, in that in that streak. Uh, they're so hard and reliant. And remember, uh, Dave, we, I wasn't doing this with you last year. I was doing this with Habistro. But all year, I thought the Rockets were going to win the West regular season, and I thought they had a, a very good chance. I shouldn't say very good chance. I thought they had a, a chance to beat Golden State. I would have rated it. I probably said at worst it was 60-40 Golden State's favor, and there was a period of time where I probably said it was more like, you know, 55-45. I thought Golden State had the advantage, but it was very small. And when when the when the Rockets got to three wins, I thought they're they're likely to win one of these next two games, and that's how close all of the teams were. I don't think that now. Uh, I think that Houston is so reliant on on the incredible play of one guy who, in two of those five wins, had to play 41 minutes both times. And he's putting up crazy shot makes to to finish games. Uh, d- d- knowing that Chris Paul is a little bit touchy and that Harden has worn out before, I, I just worry that as as the season goes on and so many of these games are competitive. And remember this, and I, I, have, I haven't looked. Let me look today while, while I'm talking here to see where they at standings wise. But so they're so they're yeah they're at seven now. When all mm-hmm. these teams are bunched together, remember this. In golf, if you were if you're five strokes behind the leader going into the last round, uh, but you're in second place, you got a better chance to win than if you're two strokes back and there's six people between you and first place because everyone else has to keep uh, sh- shooting bogeys when you're getting pars mm-hmm. or birdies. This is what this is what it's like with parity for the West. Is I mean, Golden State's in third. Just, you know, the, the, for Houston to get where they need to be in top four, a lot of teams have to keep losing. And by the way, the Spurs are starting to play better, right? Um, uh, I, I don't know that Utah will ever put it together. The Pelicans are a team with maybe the best player in the West that isn't LeBron or Steph in Davis with some kind of deal that they've not made. Suddenly they could be more relevant. It's just going to be hard for them to be in the top three or four, I think, when it's, when it's all said and done. It's possible. And then what are they going to have left in the tank? We've seen them die before more than one year in a row uh, at two or three years in a row. And uh, yes, I was super high on them last year. I'm not high on them right now. I don't think they play with energy every night. Uh, They just have, you know, the second best offensive player probably in 30 years in Harden. We've talked a lot about the stuff I wanted to talk about. Coach, I want to ask you first, uh, what are you seeing just generally around the league right now? I mean, we're coming up on Christmas. We know that this is sort of the time where, we we've got more than a small sample size. So what have you been really paying attention to? 
Yeah, so I don't know. This will be a good answer, but um, uh, here's what I was thinking the last couple of nights because because my son's in high school playing varsity, and I so I watch a lot of high school varsity games now, and and I am breaking down some college guys on tape. I don't watch the games, but I'll I'll break it down on synergy. You know, then at night I I sit in my office and I typically have at least three of the four TVs in my office on games. I'm blown away still and always with the talent in the league. Uh, not just from the highlight standpoint, which is obvious and significant, but it's, it just, and I, maybe one day I'll capture a video and I'll send it to you. The, the, the number of times a possession looks like it's not going to work out, but one guy just makes one great, simple play. Another guy makes a great simple play. Another guy does. And all of a sudden it's a backdoor layup or a backdoor dunk. Uh, a ball's going out of bounds and a guy saves it and they end up getting a great possession, I mean, it, it's in the it's in the 20s or 30s per team. The numbers of time these teams are doing that. And again, watching the other levels. Oh, by the way, I watched the Euro League. I watched the Euro Cup. I watched the VTB League. I watched the ACB, which is Spanish and Russia. Uh, I watched the Israeli League. I watched Finn. I mean, those teams aren't doing that. It is extraordinary what these incredible athletes are doing in terms of skill and knowledge of the game and feel for the game and effort. Uh, it, we, I, I will tell you, I just don't take that for granted as a teacher and as a coach for three decades now of, of recognizing the incredible abilities of these guys doing things easily that the rest of us don't even think about, uh, that when you watch these other leagues, like I do, and you see the mess that can be made of basketball, uh, these guys are playing jazz in a way that no one else on the world has played and, and maybe ever will play. That's just the special talent of the NBA. Yeah, I've said often that if you were a fan of basketball and you're not an NBA fan, and we we all three of us have run into those people. Oh, yeah. they don't play defense. Oh, uh, you know, I prefer college because they play hard. Now, I like I like where the guys play hard for money. Um, <laughs> not to mention, this is the 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 best collection of talent this league has ever had. To my eye, it's the best style of play. It's the most fun style of play. Uh, certainly we can clean things up and we can improve here and there and tweak, but wholesale changes for the league are just unnecessary. I think that, I mean, obviously I'm biased. I think basketball is the best sport, but I do think that right now the NBA, uh, you know, and David, I I really want your opinion. You've been covering the league a lot longer than I've been doing this. Um, to me, it's the most talent top to bottom. You've got a lot of guys who don't even get minutes that, that would possibly start in other eras. Well, look, there's no doubt that I think that uh, in terms of especially young talent that's come into the league in the last four or five years, that that there is a, certainly a incredible amount of really good players pretty much on every team. Now, I would argue that it, it was it was frequently that way. It wasn't always that way. You know, there were, there were entire decades where Sacramento was not very good, right? A team like that. But even Sacramento had Mitch Richmond on their team for a good stretch of his career when he was a really good basketball player. So um, they may not have had four or five great players, but most teams throughout the course of their run have had at least one really good player on their roster at some point uh, in the last 30 years. And so, um, but I, but I hear what you're saying. Look, I think the, the league's top to bottom. If you look at the, the West, you know, even a team like Minnesota, which is not all that good, has some real good talent on it. Um, 
that that could get better, right? I mean, there's hope. There's always hope. So um, most teams have hope in one fashion or another to get better. Um, I think the quality of play from an offensive standpoint certainly is as good as it's ever been. I am just my, my one concern about the game is that I just think the the complete abandonment of anything other than hunting three pointers I think has impacted the game in ways that I just don't think are all good. Uh, I think we have to think about this as as people who love the game of basketball and wonder, regardless of the you know proclivity of a team like Houston to make twenty eight threes in a game to shoot 56 threes or 57 threes in a game. Is that something that when you look at it, is that really what you're, you know, is that the optimum way to play the game of basketball? Is that the way to score? That's a different question though. It's the optimum way to score. You can, that there's no question that the best way to score the most amount of points is to shoot as many three pointers as you can. Is it the optimum way to play basketball that's the question i have and that's the that's the conundrum that i am wrestling with because i think there's been just a little i think there's too much interest desire need emphasis on shooting threes to the exclusion of everything else and i know that people say no no we want layups too no you want threes that's what people are looking for <laughs> they want three pointers and if nobody guards you on the way to the basket you'll go to the basket but nobody is seeking layups they're seeking three pointers and i think we need to think about if that in and of itself has become such a premium in this league that it's impacting the game of basketball in ways that we don't want Coach, you have an opinion on this? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I'm just, my first ever book I read was Dean Smith's book, multiple, you know, penetrating attacks on basketball when I, when I first got my job in 87, coming out of college as a high school coach. And he broke down math equations, like on page one, uh, we want to get, we want to get, you know, dunks and free, we basically want to get fouled. Like he was way ahead of the curve on that. Uh, we, we want to be efficient. And so to me, if, if you tell me Steph Curry was three of 12 from three, I would say he should have taken eight more threes because he's Steph Curry. If you're flipping coins and you want to get a bunch of heads and tails are hot early, you don't stop flipping. It's just, but, but if it's Lonzo Ball, who's three of 12 from three, I would have a different opinion. So I, I, I look at it from a pragmatic standpoint of how we best can play to our optimal offensive efficiency and how that relates also to things like defensive transition because we also have to try to maximize what we can do defensively in terms of our efficiency per defensive possession. So it has to be unique per team. I think that David in, in, on the large scale, you know, macro look is right. Uh, you just have to do it. You have to tailor it to your roster. Uh, I, one thing I do think we see a lot of is copycat where every team thinks we should just be jacking threes, right? Instead of fine tuning where the three comes from, who is taking it? Where in the possession is it coming from? Uh, because that dictates to some degree where other guys are for rebounding purposes or back in, in defensive transition. Uh, you can't just be jacking threes up and expect to be efficient. Uh, that doesn't worry me so much. I'll tell you what would worry me the most. If we started seeing teams not really committed to uh, playing incredibly hard, uh, when I watch plays, like last night, Thaddeus Young uh, could have – uh, a, a dough for a loose ball uh, when they were when they were defending 
And he instead uh, tried to tip it away. It was low. It wasn't high. And uh, the Raptors end up getting a three. Then Fleet got a three to take the – I think it took a lead at that point. The last couple of seconds, that bothered me a little bit. Like, you, you've got to dive. You, you can't run the risk of tipping it and hoping. You've got to at the very least force a jump ball. Uh, and so when we get away from that – and nothing against Thaddeus, but that is where I get worried if it becomes a pretty game. It's it's supposed to be brutal. It's supposed to be tough. The Pacers actually play very physically. That's what they tore, especially defensively. So if I thought that we were becoming, David, a, a three-point shooting league at the expense of ball sharing, at the expense of extreme competitiveness at the world's best league, I would be alarmed. But I, I don't think that, generally speaking, we're there. And we certainly don't feel like just because you shoot threes, you can't be a tough-minded or, or a hustle player. Of course you can be. Um, but it is some, something to bear watching. If you've got players who feel like, well, I shoot threes, I don't have to get dirty. Well, you're in the wrong sport, bro, because uh, this is supposed to be a dirty sport. I, I will uh, piggyback on this, and I'll say, uh, first of all, Tom Habershow with his big number was talking about Steph Curry. Uh, his his money balls, basically balls 11 through 15 attempts, he hits it like 49%. So that's almost a layup for him. Um, so Steph Curry is kind of like at the far end. And then you talked about actually hunting good threes, which is what the Spurs do. They only average 21 a game. And over the last month, they've been hitting like 42%. They're obliterating the league from behind the line right now. And, and I think, but I think that there is a balance. I, we may have swung too far. Um, but I'm not into something like the, the rule change that the G league flirted with where they actually discussed making three pointers, uh, only during, uh, the final three minutes of each quarter. So any, any other time there is no three, and then you'll just have cramped spacing and stuff like that. Um, but from an aesthetic standpoint, from a guy who, you know, I grew up watching basketball in the eighties and nineties and, you know, I, I mean, I'm now 37, so I've watched basketball for a long time, not as long as you two, but you know, Mm -hmm. no offense. Um, but I will say that, it does become a little stale from time to time as a viewer. And so I think that I I get the pushback against the three. I also run the numbers and, you know, coach. And so I understand the value of the three. I don't know that there's a great answer. I hope we find one. Um, I think, you know, pop is trying his best to come up with one. And, uh, maybe if he had a little bit more talent, we, we would, you know, we would feel differently, but, uh, the last month for the Spurs have just been incredible. Uh, so I think this is a good spot to wrap up. Uh, David, we like to end the show with like final thoughts. And, and since this is like our Christmas slash new year episode, if you want to do a, I don't know, a Christmas wish or a new year's resolution or, or whatever, um, I would love it if you would, uh, would share something. Well, I mean, look, I, I don't have anything profound to say. Um, we never do. the new year, I think it's, uh, you know, I think the game is, is doing fine and doing well. Um, I think, you know, we get to see incredible, incredible intelligence and incredible amount of caring for most of these teams in this league. I mean, I really do think even, even a bad team record wise, uh, you know, their their guys do play hard most of the night, most of the time. Um, and so you're seeing just incredible 
gifts that are out there every night. I mean, you know, just, you know, appreciate, I guess I would say, appreciate uh, what, what you see every night. Um, and I'm not even talking about the curries of the world. I just think everybody's kind of like curry crazy right now. <laughs> I get it. But I yeah. just think, you know, everybody's not Steph Curry. So stop trying right. to be Steph Curry. That's my right. point. Do what you do well. <clears throat> you know, I mean, if you're not, you, everybody can't pull up from 36 feet and make 35% of those shots, you know? Right. So I mean, right. more people can than could 10 years ago, but, um, but appreciate what you've got. Appreciate a guy like Tobias Harris. He's yes. just a hell of a player. Yes. You know, I don't know if the Clippers are going to be able to keep this up. I don't know, but he's a really good player. You know, really you should good. appreciate watching him when you get a chance to see him, you know, so wherever you are and whatever team you root for, I promise you, there's at least one guy on that team that's worth you coming out of your pocket to see. I really do believe that. Um, as much as, as, you know, we bang on John Wall. John Wall's a special player when he's right and he cares and he's giving it to you. I mean, he really can play this game very well. And everybody's got somebody like that on their team, you know, maybe not as good at one thing, but better at something else. And you should appreciate that. I mean, you really should just appreciate the the incredible talent that's in this league. And it's been spread out and it's one of the good things about the the new collective bargaining agreement. I do believe that there is more talent on more teams than there than there would be otherwise. You know, the the Warriors notwithstanding, they still are kind of the exception to the rule. Um, I I do think that you know up and down this league, there's incredible talent, and it should be it should be appreciated whether your team is at the top of the standings or at the bottom. Coach. It's great. Yeah. And by the way, Tobias Harris, I think is still just 26. Like yeah. He's going to get, he might get better in the next max, few years. Max player. Yeah. I love that guy. I've, I've loved him since he was 18 and came in the league. Um, so my little comment today is going to be, I, 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 on Facebook, uh, Jade's, Jade's friends me on Facebook. I'm David B Thorpe on Facebook. I'm just a regular guy. Uh, and I don't always do, in fact, I don't frequently do basketball stuff. Uh, but I posted something, I think it was today, actually. I was reading yesterday, Michelle Obama was talking about her special relationship with George W. Bush, the son. Uh, uh, and and I guess it was, I don't remember this, but a couple of years ago, there was they were opening some library and, and George Bush W. was on stage and Michelle came up to him and she gave him the sweetest hug. I, I didn't see this video till yesterday and he gave her a very sweet hug back. It kind of put his face up to hers. And I, apparently it was very viral. It didn't make it to my computer, but a lot of other people around the world saw it. And so she was being interviewed uh, recently. This is she was interviewed a month ago. I only saw the, the interview yesterday by one of the Bush daughters, whoever, whichever one's on NBC. Um, and about her relationship with the, the woman's dad, the little Bush daughter's dad. And Michelle talked about. She literally said something like, you know, he's just a beautiful, funny, kind, sweet man. And when she was commenting about the video, she was saying she was asked, why do you think people reacted to it? And she said, there's just so much. We all we always want to define each other by what our differences are. And we do it at such a poisonous, toxic level. These are my words, not hers. And she, she said, you know, listen, he wants to have amazing kids and a great family. And so do I. And I'm sure we don't totally agree on everything politically. But why would that define us? He's a, you know, that's when she said he's a beautiful man, whatever. 
And so those of us, those that are listening and have to spend the holidays with family that you otherwise used to always really enjoy. And now in the days of the, of the Trump era, uh, it can be ugly and is often ugly. Uh, I think that her words are, are good for us to hear that let's, let's find the common joy and the common connections between us. We do want what's best for our kids. We do want to make sure they're safe and well-schooled and that we want the garbage picked up once a week and we want less pollution. All the things that define us in, common, in terms of what's in common should be what dictates on any holiday, really on any day, uh, and not be so poisonous all the time. Uh, I think if I think her words are good, and if we do that, it'll be a happier time over the holidays, which is always a good time to be happy. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, for for mine, uh, there's a video of LeBron coaching his son. I don't I don't know if either one of you I guys just saw, saw it. I love it. Amazing. You made three of the biggest plays of the game. You want me to tell you what they were? And you was you 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 get too you get too down on yourself for no reason. You made three of the biggest plays of the game. You got the offensive rebound, right? Down four, you got the offensive rebound, got the tip in, right? And then you had the outlet pass to Owen when he got the and one. And then you made the last swing scene to him for the game winner. You know what I'm saying? So like if you're missing shots or making shots, don't worry about it, kid. Don't you did a you played a hell of a game. You ain't gotta worry about making shots or missing shots. Alright? Good job. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, man. Alright, go with your team. Bye. Good job. And um, I thought it was really important, uh, just in life. You're not gonna hit every shot. And you need to to realize that you can have successes in ways that don't involve scoring. And I thought it was such an important lesson, not just, you know, for LeBron, who, who is this, um, you know, arguably the second best player of all time to give to his son who has to feel a ton of pressure. But I think we could all kind of take a little bit from that. And it, and it's amazing to me that LeBron has that sort of perspective on the game and on life. You know, I, I think that uh, we all kind of get a little bit lost in, you know, this guy scored 30 a game. This guy scored five. So this guy is just terrible. Well, you need people to rebound. You need people to throw outlet passes. You need people to, to dive on the ground sometimes for loose balls. And, uh, for me next year, my hope is to dive for more loose balls, to get more offensive rebounds and to throw more outlet passes. Um, so Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year, all that stuff. I want to cover all my bases. Uh, David Aldridge, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Couldn't think of a better way to close out this year. Uh, Coach, thank you. Happy New Year to you. Jade Hoy, the super producer, thank you very much. Uh, We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Everyone enjoy time with your families and please uh, have fun with your family. Not just sit around and argue about politics. Don't just sit around and watch basketball, but do some fun stuff. Go take a walk, do something. Talk about stuff that isn't stressful. Play some board games, something like that. So we'll be back in a couple weeks. Everybody take care. Thanks for listening.